there's actually been proof that they've actually stopped some things, as in maybe nuclear weapons. Yes, yes. There's there's cases, and this is the other thing too. This is where you have to understand. Um, I from, I'm very, very analytical as an investigator. So I just don't take everything for face value. If someone pulls the Ackman's razor theory on me, I just go over and slap him on the side of the face <laughs> and, say, and tell him, you don't know the first thing about Ackman's razor because Ackman razors, basically what they're trying to say is the easiest explanation is the explanation. And if that was the case, there would be like thousands and thousands of people in jail for murder because they just had to be standing there. Unfortunately, that happened here in Colorado just the other, just last week. We had a good Samaritan that shot someone, you know, with his gun, right. was shooting or, or taking shots at other people. And then when the first responders showed up, the cops shot him, <gasps> shot to get some, oh, killed no. a good Samaritan. Yeah. And that oh, just happened here in Colorado within the last week. That's Ackman's razor. And that's where that failed because I was in law enforcement for eight years. I was a volunteer, but still I had to go through. There was no difference between me and a full timer, except with a little rocker on my shirt that said I was reserved. You know, I took a car out. I did everything that our full timer did. But Ackman razor says, if you see something, if that doesn't necessarily mean what you're seeing is what you're seeing, right? Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. And this officer rolls up and he sees the this guy with a gun. Now, I don't know if the guy turned around and as he turn around he pointed a gun towards a cop or whatever but that that's where Ackman's razor fails but yeah. Ackman's razor basically means that you eliminate the easy possibilities first you don't the easy one isn't the answer you eliminate all the easy ones it was that a weather balloon was that a drone you know what was that then you eliminate everything that was possible first before you start saying it's a ufo or uap so bottom line is you know since the foo fighters even before that there's never been any cases where you know it's been you know the day the earth stood still you know klaatu barada nikto where you have a, you know yeah <laughs> this this craft out there and the giant robot but <laughs> so i always like to just say you know in light of of what just happened within the last week for your listeners. It's been going on for such a long time that as investigators, you know, we welcome our federal government to look into it. And who knows, they may come back a week later and say, oh, it was nothing, you know, but whatever. <laughs> like what they did with Roswell. They said it and then they took it back. Oh, yeah. Uh, Project Mogul. Yeah. High altitude weather balloon. Except when you start talking to the eyewitnesses that actually say other things. But right. um, I took my sister to a site. I think I actually found the location where the impact site is. Oh, you did? I think so. I think so. Have Like um, on a map or have you gone there yet? I gone there and it resembles what the rock hunters geologist with the, with his school of the kids that were collecting rocks it resembles what they described but I had a I had an eyewitness she's unfortunately uh, since gone because this was a few years ago interviewed her out here in uh, Denver who lived in the area where the information she gave me pointed right to exactly that area and uh, I went there I took my sister there it was pretty cool because I already had the GPS coordinates of, of the debris site and then I had the GPS coordinates because I went to the Jim Ragsdale site with my sister at one point because I had a cheap Jim Ragsdale site is way up in the El Capitan Mountains and you can break an axle if, you, if you're not careful. Oh, geez. And then on the other side of that, it was the impact site. But when you look at the GPS screen, it's a straight arrow with the three points, bop, 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 oh, you know, as a, right. as, as a crow flies. And, and then when I went to the other area, I had GPS back to the Jim Ragsdale, back to the debris site, it was a straight line. And that area resembled what the rock hunters described. And then also was right on to my eyewitness, what she described when she was a little girl there living in that area. Wow. Yeah, it might be something. That was something we were going to address in Alien Highway Part 2, second season. But um, as it turns out, Alien Highway, for your listeners out there, we had a more, I like to say, more mature audience. It was like 
30 to 55. Oh, okay. Travel Channel, for whatever reason, told me that they didn't, we didn't hit their specific target audience, which now we believe is 15 to 25 kids. Yeah, what? Well, that's that's the only thing they, they could tell me. They wouldn't tell me exactly what their, what their age groups was, but I had someone within the industry tell me that that's generally what they're targeting right now is teens to, to mid-20s. And my target audience was higher. And right when Alien Highway was running, there was a reorganization going on at Travel Channel. Scripts came in and our executive producer was let go without reason, just let go. And so we had no no executive producer. So after the show finished airing, we had no executive producer. I don't care what they say now, because at the time when I was calling an email, I'm going, who's our executive producer? Who picked it up? They said, well, we don't have one for you. So when it came time to renew shows, there was nobody in our field to bat for us, pretty much. Because the other executive producers, they would want their projects. And I don't blame them. So it was a combination of either from an inside source saying it was, uh, you know, the age group was was too old because 35 to 55 is was what they consider old i guess and yeah and um maybe that was due to the reorg i don't know right. but um i'm not mad about travel time i'm really happy that they gave me the opportunity to do a full season because i got to do uh, seven out of the eight episodes for travel Ch- or for alien highway were my own investigations and the reason that that I picked those and I had help with with a couple of other investigators is because we picked the investigations that were going on at the time. Mm -hmm. There was an opportunity to catch evidence. We could catch it. Not like going back to the Roswell debris site, right? But, you know, this is happening. I mean, the one we we were in Missouri twice. The reason why we were in Missouri twice is because within the past couple of weeks, they had sightings there. So we were there and we captured something on camera at both times we're in Missouri. Now, as an investigator, you don't capture evidence, obviously, every time you go out. You know, you're really, really lucky if that ever happens. With Alien Highway, you know, we were at one place for four days and we were required to to do night at least two night investigations. And we were pulling, well, you, you're you in the business, you know, we, we were pulling 10, you know, 12 hour days. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, most people, they'll, they'll just stand outside and within 15 minutes, they'll see something. And, hey, there he is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But if you're in an active area for, you know, two days straight or four days and you got cameras rolling and you have uh, motion sensing cameras, there was a lot of stuff at the Skinwalker Ranch. We were near the Skinwalker Ranch. We didn't, you don't have to go into the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, you can be with Within a, a five-mile radius of the Skinwalker Ranch, and that whole area is hot. Sure. And there's so much stuff going on. The ranch just happened to be in the location, so I'm not really impressed with the Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, I've seen the Skinwalker Ranch, and then I've seen the Bradshaw Ranch over in Sedona because we were there for Alien Highway. And the camera, the technology, the Bradshaw Ranch cameras were okay. The camera on the edge of my garage is more sophisticated than the cameras that I saw at the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. So um, really, that's disappointing. I was, I was laughing when I saw their cameras. I'm going, my God, my camera is far more advanced than the cameras you got here. The Bradshaw Ranch cameras, very sophisticated. Where's so, Bradshaw Ranch? Sedona, Arizona, where the vortexes are. Oh, the yeah. Bradshaw Ranch is really, really cool. And the scary thing about the cameras at the Bradshaw Ranch, because we were standing right at the fence, looking into the ranch where you could see, you know, the house and some other things there. The cameras were pointed inside. Pointing inside. Inside. Not, oh, that's weird. Outside. Because that's where the activity because happens? Of, that's where the activity. Oh. We're at the Skinwalker Ranch. They're pointing outside. Oh. The whole Skinwalker show, I watched one episode and I about puked in my mouth. So I just like <laughs> watching it. I mean, you know, you know how you how you get that burning sensation in your nose? Right. I mean, it was it was terrible. I do want to say on one of the episodes, they caught so 
on your show, you caught something, you know, come out of the sky, right? You caught like a beam. Right. Yeah. They caught the exact same thing. Like you could put the pictures over each other. It looks like the exact same thing that you caught in your investigation. Uh, we caught it first. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> we caught it first and we weren't on the Bradshaw Ranch. Uh, we were at UFO Hill when we caught that one by a graveyard. And it's really interesting too, because that particular scene when that happened, we had motion sensing camera with audio. I use Moultrie uh, motion sensing game cameras because they're pretty good. And basically I just talk to the hunters. You go to Bass Pro Shops or you go to you know Cabela's and you talk to the people there and you say, you know, what's the best and whatever within my price range, of course, because right. yeah, you can spend a lot of money for those mm -hmm. and we actually picked up a conversation in the graveyard with our motion sensing cameras that we left overnight and the camera comes on in the graveyard in the cemetery there and it shows nothing but in the background you can hear a conversation going on it was so cool that didn't make it on the show oh why so, not that would have been great yeah because i mean that was obviously spirit activity that particular cemetery we were at is, is an open public cemetery meaning you just need a permit and you can bury your loved ones there Something else that happened that wasn't aired on that particular episode was I got the opportunity to speak with a Hopi elder. And we had and the Hopi elder, we had to get permission from the Hopi Council to be able to talk to the Hopi elder on camera. They're very, very concerned about their culture and what's and what's said about it. And I'm talking to this Hopi elder, such the nicest guy. I am so happy when I get a chance to talk to our Native American elders because there's so much about the history of this country that we know nothing about that they know that they pass down through stories. UFOs are no big deal. They talk and about I it said, like it's nothing. Yeah. Oh, it's it's nothing. Because we were talking about that, you know, uh, the Skinwalker episode or actually Skinwalker. I think it's pronounced. I know I'm going to mess up this pronunciation. Nila Lushi. Nila Lushi, I think, is the Navajo word for Skinwalker. Nila. Skinwalker, definition, Nila Lushi. I know I got that wrong. I apologize. Uh, means those that walk on all fours. So if you hear any of these investigators, they go, oh, Skinwalker uh, well, it was an owl. You can put your hand through the TV set and slap that guy in the face because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Because a Skinwalker is by definition, by the name Skinwalker, and I don't care what people say, like, oh, but it transformed it. No, by definition, it's those that walk on all fours. That's what it's always been, always, always been. So Skinwalker can only be a coyote or, you know, or, or a wolf, something on all fours. So we were talking about that. When I was talking to the Native American uh, elder, I started to mention the word Nila Lushi. And, and when I went to knee, he stopped me, he kind of put his hand on my shoulder and stopped me. And he says, don't say the name because if you say the name, you're going to invite it. Oh, wow. Now this is today. This isn't a hundred years ago. This is what they believe right now. They do not mention the name in public or openly. Okay. okay. Because it will, it will invite the skinwalker. And so I was talking to him about that. I said, well, I understand that the Hopi Indians have you know, a name for Bigfoot. I mean, Sasquatch is, is a Native American name. And he rattled off some name. He goes, yeah. And I said, you have a name for UFOs? And he goes, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, how about gray aliens? And he goes, you mean, but you have a name for gray aliens? Whoa. And he stopped and his mouth dropped. He goes, you can't say that on TV. I said, I'm sorry. I can't say that. I'm sorry. I can't talk about that. And I'm going, Wow. Now we're talking about it now because I'm not telling you who the guy is or anything, but no, yeah, but it yeah. never aired. He said basically, I cannot say that on TV. He cannot say that. There's certain things he can and can't say. He cannot mention that name, whatever word for great alien and Hopi was on TV. Oh. And so I said, You have the Hopi Indian tribe has a name for a gray alien. Awesome. That was a jaw dropper for me. 
you know, because yeah. I, I knew, I knew, you know, UFOs and, you know, star travelers and you hear all that stuff. So interesting thing about Skinwalker. So I, I, I believe, I, I apologize if I'm wrong. I'm just pulling this from my roller deck in my head. Um, I think it was the Navajos. I think way, way, way back, the, the Hopis were fighting the Navajos and they're fighting for the territory of Colorado. The Hopis already had Utah or what we call Utah now. And they were trading, I think we were probably trading with the Spaniards. The Hopis were the best supposedly at leather, at tanning leather. And so when the Europeans came over, they would trade with the Hopis because their leather products were, were so far more advanced than the other local tribes. And in, in turn, they would give them guns and they would give them horses. So the Hopi Indians became very, very good in warfare, shooting guns on a horse. Okay. Okay. So when they were fighting the Navos, they were kicking their ass, yeah. you know, because these poor guys, they don't have horses. And um, I can tell you another another bit outside this podcast. I don't want to talk about it okay. uh, on podcast, but there's something else that they did, but not proper to talk about it. Okay. Um, so the Navajo cursed the Hopi Indians with Neil Alushi, with Skinwalker, cursed them. And that's where it started. It was a Navajo thing. That's what I learned. Was it like a curse or something? I'm trying to remember. Is it a curse that they turned them into the skinwalker? Yeah, it was. They were curses. So I think it's from the Navajo point of view, it was this if you had a medicine man that practiced, let's say, black magic. I know that's not the proper term, right. but let's say that's witchery, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, they could turn into a skinwalker. The creature itself, once it's turned into it, was cursed. The, the Hobies were cursed with the creature. I'm sure Hopis had their own, you know, skinwalkers, but originally I think it came from the Navajo, and then they were cursed with the actual creature itself. We captured something that was pretty cool. Uh, the skinwalker episode, and like I said, all that stuff happened outside the skinwalker ranch, at least two, three miles outside. And then I later learned, you know, you're talking a five to 10 mile radius in that whole area because it's very, very rich and, and, and it has a long, long history because the Hopi Indians have lived there for so many years. Bigfoot, forget it. No big deal. Everybody, every Native American you talk to knows about Bigfoot. And it's funny because you talk to people, anthropologists, they're saying, you know, it doesn't exist. And blah, 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 on and on, you know, like, like well, so why is there so many stories? Grizzly Adams wasn't there at that time. And this is before the Europeans even migrated to North America. And they talk about all that stuff. That's why I was so intrigued with Bigfoot, because um, here in Colorado, we have a lot of Bigfoot sightings. Uh, one probably about a year and a half ago, I think was the last one. And uh, I actually seen Bigfoot footprints in Bailey, Colorado. And then we had a Bigfoot come or something large, extremely large. It's bipedal walk up on us um, in Golden, Colorado. And of course, that case I mentioned about the Bigfoot family that turned into something else in Ure. So uh, it's kind of cool to be in an area where, you know, you can investigate Bigfoot. You do ghost investigations. I've done investigations at the Stanley Hotel. How did that go? That would have been fun, I bet. It's fun if you get away from the hotel. I got some really good stuff at the Bachelor Hotel. But, you know, back in the day, the Bachelors weren't allowed to stay at the main hotel because they were single. Only married people could stay there. So they separated the bachelors. They didn't want any hanky-panky going on. Oh, wow. You know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then I forget if it was the third or fourth floor. I forget what. Uh, that's where all the children stayed. So you and your wife would take the children, and you'd never see them. They would stay on a separate floor with nannies, and you might see them for dinner, and then you'd say, off with you, you know? That's and, crazy. And Could you imagine doing that now? No, not at all. <laughs> They'd say you're a child abuser or something. Right. Or neglector. Child yeah, neglecting. Right. So at the Bachelor Hotel, we, I picked up some pretty cool stuff. and But... Um, um, 
we, my wife and I, you know, on our anniversary, we try to go somewhere where I could do a little bit of investigations. And if anybody reads the 37th parallel book, it basically talks about how I started out, bought, a, bought an RV, sold our, our van and got an RV. We could go on vacation because, you know, we had three kids and there's five people in the family and, and it's expensive to fly and the whole bit. But in the back of my mind is, okay, if I RV to Indiana where relatives are, I can go to Taos, New Mexico. I can go to all these places right. and run some investigations. You so got your whole family into it, didn't you? Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, well, my kids were kind of like forced to go and my wife's a skeptic. She still is. So people go, how can you live with a skeptic? I go, it's easy because she makes me try harder you know, yes. because she just, you know, she, I'll mention something. Okay. Case in point. I know we talked about this before the podcast. She nailed uh, Stan Romanek right off the bat. Oh, she did. She did. She did right off the bat. And then I, I had to, uh, what's the is it what's the word grovel what's the word right yes grovel <laughs> i bet she's never let you forget that either <laughs> i try not to bring it up <laughs> can we can we talk about that because you were telling me a little before and it's fascinating yeah sure so stan romanek so about f when was it four or five years ago a documentary yeah. comes out about this guy who claims that he is being visited by gray aliens i mean what Weekly, Star, daily, weekly, yeah. star child, right? Star child. That's right. Yes. They yes. call him star child. They call his phone. They peek through windows. And I mean, a lot of stuff happens to this guy, supposedly. And Chuck, you were, you investigated him or did he hire you to come? No, I mean, because he's, we're just in climate Colorado Springs and he's in Fort Collins and uh, via mutual friend, I went over and met him. And then I started doing investigations for him, basically on my, on my time, trying to figure out what's going on. And I can tell you from the very beginning that, that Stan Romanek, he actually did have a sighting. And he has video footage of, of him being in a park and there was a sighting and other people in the park saw it. So he really did have a sighting. And my personal opinion is he was probably an experiencer. He had an experience, if it would be an abduction or not, but he had an experience. And then I think the experience is one away but he didn't want them to go away so then he started doing this these elaborate things and once i started figuring that out what was going on and i'm, I'm not a psychiatrist okay big deal i had psych 101 and psych 102 in college that's it okay <laughs> right most people will have a psych class or a chemistry class in college big deal but but i started looking at it going i see what's going on here and i see where it's headed but i want to see how far it goes because i'm learning from it and i've learned so much from the san romanek case that now with other abduction cases right off the bat you know i'll pin it but i had to go through a lot you know there was a lot that i had to go through to learn you just can't you know like my wife you know and of course she was right but, you know, I had to go through all 500 steps to get to the point where she said, yeah, you're, you know, bah. Turns out he was taking you for a ride the whole time, right? Taking everybody for a ride. Taking everybody, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, I have to give him some credit that he, that I think he really was an experiencer and maybe had an abduction, maybe a couple. But after that, I think he was manipulating evidence that benefited him because he stopped working, he was on welfare. And then, then some fat cats started paying his rent and bought him a van. I mean, and he was living a good life. Wow. And he was talking about his children that he, you know, uh, was responsible for you know, the alien hybrids on the ship. 
steps and he would go up and see his children. And then I kid you not, this actually happened. Okay. And he would describe about his space wives. Okay. Now his wife, Lisa was really upset, you know, and hurt because he'd go up and talk where he'd see his space wife and the space wife were the, uh, these pretty brunette women, right? Yeah. You know, five, eight, five, 10 brunette women. My God, I got to tell you this. I was lecturing in Arizona, you know, at the time where he was at his peak and boy, he had some pretty brunette women around him. They were just there. I mean, they weren't obviously hybrids or anything, right? but it, it, it scared me at that point because it looked like a cult. Oh no, really? Yeah. That's where I started thinking could, is this could be a cult, even though that was not intended to be a cult. Right. His, his intentions was never ever to, to you know, be Jonestown or whatever it was. Well, you know, he never wanted to do anything like that. He's not that type of person. But it looked like what he was attracting was cult status. And that's what uh, a big red flag on me going, well, holy shit. Okay, I got to watch this now and, and really yeah. understand what's going here. Is that uh, the first it, red flag you noticed? Well, that and contradiction statements. Okay. You know, you know, the cop in me. And it's something I've done all my life. My my dad was a World War II veteran. He's passed a few years now, but he uh, followed Patton. And, uh, and he, some of his stories were just ridiculous. Uh, some of the stuff that he talked about. And, you know, Battle of the Bulls, Normandy, uh, liberating Paris, the whole bit. And, and then I would ask him a question. And he'd tell me the story. And then I remembered a year or so later, and I asked him the same question. <laughs> and he'd tell me the same answer. Yeah. So so I was, I was testing my dad to see if he was pulling one over on me. That is... Uh, the funeral ceremony, uh, a naval chaplain got on there and, and read all the stuff that he'd been involved with because he got a hold of his war records and just went to town. And holy crap, that's he was telling awesome. the truth. Wow, yeah, you know, like that's cool. four or five bronze stars, a whole bit. Anyway, so I was doing the same thing with Stan that's Romack, but he was he was changing his answers and stuff. And then some of the evidence was was really, yeah, I I, I got these pictures of of my child hybrid, and I got to see him, and and I, I showed it to other people, and then I went to go take the Side, and then it just disappeared. The image just disappeared. Oh, okay. But I was there last night. That didn't happen last night. But it happened the next night. Damn it. Oh, shucks. I wasn't there when that happened. You know, too bad. Right. Convenient. I, it was uh -huh. convenient stuff. And then I think uh, the camel that broke the straw back, right? Exactly. Was the old video clip where he faked making a noise and he was shooting a, a, a video podcast interview and his screen, like like with my screen right now, I see my whole room, you know, and you, you may not see my whole, my whole office. In his case, he only saw a small part of his office, but the other person who was videotaping it saw more. And so so when he was talking about things happening to me all the time and they're right there, he goes, he makes a noise. He goes, what was that? You what can was see that? his arms doing the noises. He, he thought his, from his screen, he couldn't see his hands. But like you're saying, Mike, everybody else that was watching it saw him physically move. And at that point, that's when... Yeah, you know, um, I'm going, okay, yeah, you know what? It's just going too far. And I'm going to start ruining my reputation trying to back this guy up. So um, I just dropped out. You know? I mean, you know, anyway, okay, enough enough of that. Because everything was leading up to that point where, where okay, he's manipulating and he's got to a point so far now that psychologically he's creating evidence and it's like stupid criminals, mm. you know. Did you hear about years ago? There was a criminal. They were searching for him and it was at night and, and he, had, he had tennis shoes with LED lights on. <laughs> And while they're running, the cops are going, he's over there and he's over there. 
Look it up. You'll find it on the internet. You'll find it on the internet. Stupid criminals. So he started doing some stupid things. And I going, okay, like I said, analytical. And I'm very, try to be as professional as I can. I always joke about it and stuff. But um, I'm not going to waste my time on this guy anymore. I I slowly, without telling him I'm not doing it anymore, I slowly not, I started not going to places and just backing it off. So I just wouldn't cause a rift because he has a large following of people that were friends of mine. I didn't want to hurt any of their feelings to say, hey, this guy's nutso. Or he's not that so. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's doing it for a profit, yeah. uh, i.e. documentary about Stan Romanek, right? Yeah. And even the people that did the documentary are good friends of mine, and I wouldn't want to say anything negative of them because I tried to explain. Oh, you talked about The Voice one time, right? So he would get a call, and it was from Audrey. Remember that? Yeah. All this just coming into my head now. Audrey was like this this woman's English woman's voice, right? And very, <laughs> very monotone. You will do this and Stop. that's our child. <laughs> Yeah. You well this and that and on and on and my buddy Alejandro Rojas out of Open Minds, he at the time he looked at, but you know what? There's this, this software you can buy that does that, and there's a card, oh. a phone card that you can you can buy where you can actually call somebody and give them a false phone number. And there was, and you guys can look it up to um, your listeners. There was a case where a brother did it or a friend did it to another guy who just lost his brother and called him and used his brother's phone number to to trick him thinking his dead brother or friend or whatever oh. was calling him on his phone. It was a, just a dirty trick, that's but I mean, horrific. it was horrific, but, but uh, I mean, you could probably look and still find that on the internet. Yeah. So that's what, so the software was out there and Stan is smart enough because he's a software engineer that he's smart enough to know that stuff. And Oh my God, I'm talking to this guy. I, oh, I, I every time <laughs> I think about it. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's like Stan really wants this documentary, right? And then one of the two guys gets a phone, I mean, literally gets a phone call from Audrey going, you must finish the documentary on Stan to bring this information out to the public. Just, I mean, he just talked to him like the day before, right? And then the next day, Audrey calls one of the guys that did the documentary and basically says, you know, we want you, we are looking at you, the whole bit, you know, yeah, yeah, stroke, stroke, the whole bit. And I talked to this guy afterwards. I'm like, yeah. really, dude? Really? Right. You, you don't... You don't see that, really? And I really like this guy. He's a good, he's a friend of mine. And I didn't want to mention Well, it's him, easy but. to get sucked in, especially when you believe yes. somebody. And, and you're that's rooting the problem. The problem right. is exactly, exactly. Your belief is so much involved or into it that a train would go by and you wouldn't see it. And, yeah. and this was a train. Okay, right. maybe a smaller train, but you know, it was maybe an Amtrak. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Still, it was a, it was it wasn't a freight train, but it was an Amtrak train. Yeah. And and I'm going really seriously. So now I'm contracting in California. One of the problems of being a contractor and not salary is when your contract's up, you're out of a job, so you got to find another job. So I'm working in, in Qualcomm, one of the latest chips for their their cell phone chips in San Diego, and I get a call from the Romanex saying that SWAT came in and and raided their house, took the computer and a bunch of other things. And, and is that legal? I'm going, well, yeah. I mean, if you get a warrant, if there's plausible cause, a judge will sign a warrant. And I think recently now we're getting rid of no knock warrants, but a knock warrant, you know, you just you get a, a judge assigned it and says, you know, we have enough the substantial evidence uh, 
uh, on this guy about blah, blah, blah. And he'll go, yeah, you do. Here's the warrant. Go get him. And so that's what happened. Well, they can do that. Of course they can. He got charged with child pornography. The local police officer that was in charge of the case, they had an issue in the past. There was something that happened in the past in his career that he got reprimanded for, but he, you know, he didn't lose his, obviously didn't lose his, his, his badge over. And so they were trying to blame him. The Roman actually trying to blame the officer saying that he was responsible for, for this. Even I think their attorney saying that he was incompetent, but then they were saying that because he's incompetent, that the evidence is skewed. The problem is, is the evidence didn't come from the local police department. It came from the feds. Now um, I've been in technology for a while and, and I understand certain softwares and how softwares work and stuff. It's funny when my, my daughter says, dad, you don't know anything about your cell phone. I'm going, you wouldn't have a cell phone if it wasn't for me working for Motorola and Qualcomm and, and Intel. And so shut the hell up. <laughs> I brought the <this laughs> cell phone anyway. into the world. I'll take it out. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We gave, we gave the millennials the technology and they, they're doing whatever they want with the technology, but it was us, my generation. Uh, anyway. Now they're so using it against so, us. <laughs> now they're using it against us. Damn them. <laughs> so for your listeners out there, basically, and I, we talked about this before the podcast that you can just mention, you know, uh, I mentioned the word Shirley Temple, but I'm sure that's not it. But it's something very innocent that you're looking for, and it'll it'll throw you to a porn site, and, and it's happened all the time. And you go, well, that's not where I'm going. I was looking up Roswell, you know, not Broswell, you know, or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's pretty good. I got to remember that. That was good. Anyway. That was a good one. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had these Trojan type uh, softwares that, that kind of like creep around porn sites. And people that visit porn sites, every, if you visit a site or anywhere, you have an IP address attached to your computer and identifies who you are in your computer, basically who your computer is. And so the, the software kind of like tracks the IP address or tracks where, you know, these, these people that are visiting porn sites. Now, if you're there, if you get there by accident, right, because you said Roswell, and I thought you said Roswell or whatever, it says, okay, he's only been there once, okay? If he comes back over and over and over and over again, okay, right. we're going to flag this guy. Now, porn sites they don't care about, but child porn sites is illegal. So they have these softwares that are, you know, that are meandering around channel, you know, child porn sites looking for repeat visitors. And it turned out Romanac was a repeat visitor. So the federal government that that's responsible for for doing that. This is based on what I'm pretty sure the information was coming out from the court case. If, if I'm wrong, I apologize. They contacted the local city PD and the city PD is the one that arrested them. So when I got a call about it, I went, well, someone in your house using your computer did it. Now, if it wasn't you, you have a young kid, but we're talking child porn. So it's, it's pretty young, young children. You know, or there's someone else in the house. Well, someone stole my computer and did it. Probably not because they put it right back where it was and you never knew it was gone. Right. Um, probably not. But um, okay. I mean, that could be a case. I mean, aliens could have done it, you know, and, <laughs> and checked some child porn sites and Audrey could have done it. And maybe you pissed off Audrey or something. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's, it was pretty serious. And uh, I said, you know, this is my opinion and uh, get a lawyer. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 that's pretty much it. They went to court after a couple of years. I went to court because there was cases where he wasn't in the right frame of mind or, or something or other. But I remember the court date probably moved two or three times. And when it finally went to court or maybe, maybe it was his attorney that moved the case. So anyway, when it finally went to court, he got convicted on child porn charges. That was enough to get him convicted. But he went to, I believe it was a halfway house for two years type of thing, rather than, you know, to, uh, you know, 
to like a penitentiary or something. So anyway, he's out now. And uh, is he still saying that he's being visited and all that kind of stuff? He's being visited and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I know there were some stipulations to the conviction. And I remember one of them was like he couldn't lecture or something. Oh. And, and maybe if he says that openly, they may const- construe that as possible lecturing or, or promoting or sure. uh, a promotion. So I, I haven't heard much from him. But then again, you know, I haven't been looking into those cases. But um, I personally think he wasn't looking at the child porn sites for child porn. Because as long as I knew him, I knew he was fibbing <laughs> about his experiences. But at no case did I ever pick up that there was something like that. Now, most people don't know that, right? Because Jan Harsman, the head of MUFON, got popped for child pornography. Remember that? No. Or did you not know that? No, I don't yeah, think that so. Was, yeah, that was about a year ago. Uh, the head of MUFON, Jan Harsman. And I never knew that he, but, you know, he set up a date or something with an underage girl. And the underage girl was law enforcement and he got popped and and now MUFON is is at the, at the transitioning with a new head of MUFON now and the guy who's the head of MUFON now he was supposed to be the head of MUFON before Jan Harson he just decided not to take it at the time so the new guy at MUFON is a really really good guy uh, but yeah Jan I, I always had issues with Jan anyway because we butt heads but now I have no problem saying I had issues with him because he was in the two children yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and M- MUFON is the mutual UFO network well, yeah yeah. Do you do investigations for them still? I know in the past you've done some stuff. I, I, I did, but and I was with the star team. But uh, once MUFON gets rolling again and back on track, because uh, it's really sad what happened to them because they're all good people, very, very good people. Like you said, my sister's on the board of directors. So I have nothing negative to say about MUFON. But I was the um, a, a director of animal mutilations investigations for MUFON. So if any investigator, a part of MUFON that had any questions about animal mutilation investigations, they, they would talk to me. Uh, matter of fact, I, I wrote the procedure on, uh, you know, mutilation investigations for MUFON. Oh, you did? Yeah. So anyway, MUFON is very, very credible. It was it was a really, unfortunately, you know, black guy that yeah. happened to MUFON. So with Stan, towards the end of Stan's abduction career, he was talking about alien hybrid children and uh, where he would see children. And, and we were at a conference one time and he was lecturing and I was lecturing there. And then afterwards, did you see the children out of the audience? There was two of them. And the other person goes, yeah, I saw two children out there. I didn't see any children. You know, <laughs> you know they, were, they were hybrids. He would show up with these pictures of, of hybrid children and then the pictures would kind of disappear. And this is just my thought. This is just my theory. And it's only because I'm giving Stan Romanak the benefit of the doubt. But if he was faking alien hybrid pictures of his children, right, from these brunette women, he would have to find a picture from somewhere and manipulate the picture to make it look like an alien hybrid. So if you grab a picture off on the internet of a child and an investigator like me or something gets a hold of that picture, we're going to try and see if we can find that face anywhere on the internet to see if he grabbed it off the internet or is he part of the family or neighbor or what? Right. You know, or, or do you get kids pictures show up on a frame that you buy at Walmart, you know, you, yeah. you don't know. But you would never think about going to child porn sites and getting pictures from child porn sites to investigate the alien hybrid pictures. So I would never, obviously, I would never go to a, a child porn site right. to look for pictures of children that might be associated with alien hybrid. You know, yeah, God, I'd, I'd be talking to you from, from the penitentiary right now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, wow. <laughs> That's like kind of like a mad, I hate to use this word with this, but like kind of a mad genius type thing. 
Yeah, I, he's a very smart man. I, I I know he's always he's very intelligent. I, I absolutely believe in my heart that he was abducted and had an experience. And then I believe, based on my ex- experience as an investigator and what I've seen, that the experience has stopped, but he wanted to, to keep going. Now, um, whether or not you didn't realize what he was doing, because he was so caught up in it, like you mentioned with certain people, they get really caught up in it. Not to the point where it's a mental illness, but, you know, that one possibility, you know, you have to give at least look at all the possibilities um he wasn't making a lot of money with it but he was getting a lot of recognition uh you know with the documentary and being on tv and he was on tv all over the world for gosh sakes and then he said there was a millionaire out there that was that was paying his house payments and bought him a car or, or a van and because uh, he stopped working and then his wife lisa stopped working and stayed home and watch him and talking about you know a free ride they were getting it now that could get to you at one oh, point yeah. and so anyway um you know i do feel bad for him and what happened but i i also look at it like okay there's a possibility that he's not really into child porn that he just grabbed pictures there because i've never seen the pictures because they always magically disappeared and even though some of the people that i've talked to his friends have seen the pictures some of their stories are very skewed too so it might be to the point where they are so wrapped up into what was going on that they believed it and they believed it so much that they started and that's a human that's a human issue oh yeah we all do it oh yeah yeah so anyway, that's that's why I want to at least give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, right? It's just pointing the finger like Jan Harrison. That you could point the finger at. I mean, he literally set up a date and got and got popped. So I mean, that was intentional. That's different than, uh, you know, doing it for um, attention. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we sure we sure bounced around here a lot tonight, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> I know we did, but it's fascinating. Like, I love that. I, I could talk about this stuff, you know, for days on end. It's just, it's. I didn't get to do any personations or anything like your last. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just... I've got so much stuff I want to ask you about, but have you thought about shopping around Alien Highway somewhere else or is it Travel Channel's property? I think it's Travel Channel's property, although um, Alien Highway is just a name. I'm the one that introduced that type of investigations to the creator of the show. So I'm shopping around right now. I mean, if any of your listeners are, you know, are into production, it's basically I want real-time investigations, real places, talking to witnesses, you know, and then the places where stuff's happening right now, because that gives us an opportunity to to shoot something. I mean, in Alien Highway, even when we were shooting, I'm shooting with my, my psionics camera and I was catching stuff. And production's not even there. I'm just shooting and I'm catching lights going by and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, wow. So I am looking for something else. Um, the only thing that I would have to mention is for whatever reason, the more mature group based on the Nielsen ratings right. <laughs> seems to like. I loved it. If you're I'd... after millennials or people between 15 and 22 or something, I, I may not be the person. Um, I've been on Ghost Adventures. Uh, one of my investigations was on Finding Bigfoot. And I've been on a few other shows. Um, and and then I can tell you some of those other shows, I don't want to say like the ones I just mentioned, but, um, you know, it's, it's all about um, manipulating evidence. And um, actually, I like to call them the uh, Gilligan's Island of TV shows. You know, it's like slapstick stuff. You know, oh, it's just, right. oh, my God. Did you see that? Did you hear that? Oh my God, this, uh, the next time I see a ghost investigator walking down the stairs in the dark and trip and claim they got pushed, I'm going to reach my hand in through the screen and slap him on the side of the face. You tripped 
admit it. Own it's it. so Own embarrassing it. tripping over your feet. As speaking as someone who does this probably 10 times a day, I trip over my own feet. It's embarrassing. It's a lot less embarrassing if you say a ghost pushed you, you know? Well, I, I, you know what? The reality is, uh, and this is where we're talking, we could probably talk about this another time. We talked about EMF, I know, a little bit before. Oh, yeah, yeah. With ghosts, aliens, and stuff like that. But the reason why people have red marks on them Oh, jeez. And I know I'm, I'm lecturing at the Para-Unity Conference with a lot of ghost hunters, or ghost investigators, so I'm out of my norm there. Better keep my mouth shut. But um, if you're doing an investigation and you, and you feel a burn on your arm or something, and you look and you see finger marks or hand marks, and you're like, oh, my God, they're attacking me. I'm not going to mention the guy with the dark glasses and the dark hair that always says that. But, <laughs> kind, um, of, kind of like you know, this. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. It's um, simple. If you, if you know a little bit about technology and you know a little bit about electromagnetic fields is electromagnetic field is an energy source. You know, it's, it's basically radiation. It's a very, very low level of radiation. And so EMF will leave a red mark. Just think about when it's, when there's lightning strikes, you know, the storm outside or when you have thunder and you, you scooch your feet across the carpet and you go over and you touch your loved one on the face, on the nose, zap them, you know, but that's, that's a release of, of electromagnetic field. It's energy. Every human is a capacitor is a walking capacitor we're all energy well we're energy so if another energy tries to communicate to you just by touching you they will leave a handprint or a fingerprint just like with a FLIR if you look at a FLIR camera if you put your hand down on the table and hold it there for about 20 seconds move your hand out of the way and look at that area with a FLIR you'll see an image of your hand because that's the residual heat heat is you know energy so you're, it's residual energy on that on that table is what you're seeing well that's what the, the ghosts are doing unless they smack the hell out of you they're just trying to touch you you know they're trying to communicate with you with the living and uh well they're living too but you know interdimension type of thing sure. uh, they're just trying to touch you to let you know that they're there or maybe to be aware that you know that they can communicate with you and they're not trying to hurt you that's what the marks are there for unless you're physically shoved which does happen sometimes but you know uh just because you have a mark and it happened to my son we were doing an investigation in fair play at the uh, hand hotel which is right near south park and yes there is a south park in colorado but it's a museum it's a it's a ghost town museum isn't and, that where the show's based off of right yeah and it's in fair play and, and the hand hotel was there and we were doing an investigation in the cellar of the hand hotel and my son is a former cop and he goes dad dad something it's burning something burning i'm like what and he goes yeah something's burning right above my belt so we stopped the investigation complete darkness and we turned on the light and lifted the shirt up above his belt two red marks i think it was like the size of a quarter above his his belt line we got it on camera a picture of it my, my buddy matt's got it because he was shooting at the time and um it dissipated because it's energy dissipates and the red mark's gone after it a little bit and uh, he was a real trooper because he went down later on we went down again one o'clock two thirty in the morning see if we could have that happen again but it didn't happen again but whatever it was he was running the investigation we need to go to investigations i don't care who's the leader is i don't care it could be zach could be Aaron, could be anybody right but you start to get an investigation and you have six people there i start off by asking the questions if i'm not getting any answers or i'm not getting any going on i pass it down you know you pass you pass the baton to the next guy and then have them ask the question because it may just be the person asking the questions right that's the reason yeah. why you're not getting response so we we passed the baton down a couple of times it got to my son daniel and he was asking the questions and he's very add energetic okay uh and he was getting responses left and right so something came up and touched him uh they didn't attack him you know but but it was burning because it's it's a high energy that's touching your skin just like a sunburn oh. what do you think a sunburn is solar radiation right right yeah 
I mean, yes, there are cases where, you know, they're going to smack you down the stairs or whatever. But the majority of time, you know, just because you get touched doesn't mean that you've, you're being attacked. At least from what I've learned from doing ghost investigations, it's because there's, there's some type of communication involved. We can talk about this later on. But EMF is the big common denominator between uh, UFOs and ghosts and even Bigfoot, too. That uh, measures the electromagnetic field. Yeah, and I mean, and that's what our aurora borealis is, right? Oh. It's electromagnetic fields, you know, right. solar radiation working with uh, the atmosphere on the planet, and we get the, these beautiful lights. Um, it's very common in in, uh, in space. Um, and the neat thing about space is, I mean, we're never in the same place twice, right? Because we're constantly we're constantly moving around the sun. Our sun is constantly moving within our galaxy. Our galaxy is constantly moving, so we're constantly moving. We're never in the same space twice. So every new space, every second, we're in a new space something could be different too so yeah wow that's a good way to look at it i like that and we were gonna yeah i don't think we have time right now we were talking beforehand because i think we might we're gonna need a lot more time to, to dissect this part but we were talking about the connection between ghosts and aliens and the emf right. meters Right. And we could go into that because that's actually falls into cattle, animal mutilations. I don't want to say cattle mutilations because it's all animals, but yes. now it actually there's EMF fields that are picked up. I've picked up um, high levels of EMF off of a dead animal's face, you know, wow. that's been cut up. Yeah. My tri-field meter, I use a, uh, a natural tri-field meter, which eliminates, it filters out all human made EMF. And it's, they're a little more expensive, maybe two and a half, two and a half, three hundred dollars for, you know, starting out for one of those. And, uh, the meter was just jumping and I was getting over 100 micro Teslas just coming off of this gaping hole in this animal's head. And um, the Earth's magnetic field is 50 micro Teslas. So it's, it was double the Earth's magnetic field. Oh, wow. You know, our magnetic field is what keeps us here, right? Yeah, so we don't we go floating off into space. And um, when I, I contacted the manufacturer of, of my meter and asked him, I said, uh, why, you know? I mean, I, I can speculate, but I'm going to talk to the guys that actually designed the meter. I got really lucky and talked to one of the engineers, and he says, you were picking up residual electromagnetic energy from that animal, residual energy. That happened on the Alien Highway. There was a, there, we were in Missouri, an Alien Highway, where there was a round circle. I just rewatched this last in. night. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were, I was going to take soil samples, and that's all we were going to do is just take soil samples. You know, that's all the director wanted us to do. And then as the cameraman got closer to me, he was using using a red camera. You know those red cameras, right? Yeah. They shoot Guardians of the Galaxy with red cameras. They're very, very expensive cameras. His camera just shut down. And he goes, wait a minute. And we, we left it. I talked I talked to the showrunner. We had a showrunner and a director. And I talked him into leaving that in. I said, if you just please, please, please leave that in. Because that shows that there's so much energy, just like what happened with our batteries draining that I talked about earlier. Yeah. It killed his $70,000 camera, right? And so I grabbed my, my EMF meter, my EMF meter was jumping around as I got closer to the circle. And so we left that in. Well, what they did leave in, I wish they would have, uh, and Travel Channel has some issues because I love to break the fourth wall. So if there's anybody out there that wants to do uh, you know, a show with me, I like breaking the fourth wall because a lot of things happen to the production crew that actually validates what you're trying to do because they're there right there with you. Right. And so now the drone, our, our drone pilot who was shooting 
you know, the whole scene from above. He goes to land his drone and he's standing by the circle and the drone couldn't find the land. It couldn't find the ground. It was airing out. It wouldn't land. Now I have a DJI Phantom 4 that I use. And I think this one was the next level up and you can, and the drone will land itself. Well, this drone refused to land because it couldn't find the ground and it stayed hovering about maybe five, six feet and he couldn't land it. it you know, the stopper wouldn't let him land it. So he just walked up and grabbed a, you know, grabbed one of the landing gears and carried it. And I'm watching him going, the drone's electronics were altered by this energy source here. The same energy source that shut the camera down, the same energy source that, you know, I picked up on my, my EMF meter. EMF is, in my opinion, is the common denominator to a lot of this stuff. And uh, yeah. That'll be something we'll have to address later because that's a that's a whole theory all by itself. I know. That's what I'm thinking. We're going to have to do that and the cattle mutilations. I want you to, or the animal mutilation. I want to go into yeah. that in more detail because I think that's fascinating and it happens everywhere. Like, I don't think people are aware how often and how much it happens. Well, we, we had it, you know, even last year during COVID, by the time I found out we had one from a rancher that I talked with uh, that's had multiple ones, it was already too late to go investigate it. And then we were right high to COVID and I wouldn't want to go anyway because it's, this is an older couple uh, and I wouldn't want to jeopardize them. This is before, you know, vaccines were out. But um, the wife actually shot a picture of a, of a, a ball of light in the area too. And uh, the one thing I remember, orbs and balls of light are not orbs. Foo Fighters of the of the 40s are not orbs. Orbs are considered to be more uh, of an energy source that you would be more accustomed to ghost investigations, you know, spiritual. So when you talk about orbs, think about spirits. When you talk about balls of light, think about solid objects, a solid object that emits the energy and the energy that emits is light. And I'll, I'll give you one last thing before before we go, which is totally awesome. Okay. And we can talk about this later if you want. It'll make your pee, make your listeners go, what the fuck? We like that. Without actually saying the whole word, they'll just say, what the fuck? <laughs> okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. All right. I'm ready. All right. And I can, I'm, I don't know any other investigator that caught this. I'm the one that caught this. And I caught it a few years ago when I was doing a TV episode, uh, Paranormal Highway of, of America for the Unexplained File Season 2. Actual UFOs, the real deal, the light that emits from the UFO does not cast a shadow it does not cast a shadow anywhere really it it does not cast a shadow it does not reflect oh that's weird okay now well what it is is it's we have our eyes are phenomenal organs probably the most advanced organ we have in in, in our body our, our eyes and our eyes see much better than any camera on the market at this point and we can actually see infrared but our brains have commented that out over over the years so our eye our eyes see the light and we see it as white light but it's not white light as we think white light is in the color spectrum it's something else and i don't know what it is but it does not reflect and it does not cast shadows now Interesting. I have a picture, and I, unfortunately, I can't post or anything because it's an ongoing investigation. But um, it's, it's with a kid, and that's another reason too, because he's underage. But he's walking up to a ball of light, and the ball of light is on his right in front of his chest, and his brother's taking the picture of it, and the ball of light is bright, 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 bright. Yet it doesn't light up his abs or his chest section. As bright as it is, it should have reflected light on his shirt. It doesn't. Oh my! The gosh. light's bright. The shirt is dark. And there's, there's no reflection from the light. Now, um, 
For Unexplained Files Season 2, I interviewed a police officer during the Highland, Illinois incident where there were multiple police departments that were chasing a triangle. And the guy that I interviewed was a patrol cop at the time, and I was a cop at the time too, so, you know, we could talk together. And I said, so your patrol car's right here? And he goes, yeah. And I said, giant craft the size of two football fields was hovering right over that convenience store. He says, yeah. And I said, how about the lights? Uh, he's, oh, well, those lights were bright, 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 because they looked like maybe they could have been the lights from some type of propulsion or whatever, but they were really bright. I'm going, so you were looking at the lights, did you squint? No, I could just look right in the lights. So they're really bright, but you didn't have to squint your eyes. He goes, no. And I said, how about your reflectors on your car? Must have lit your reflectors right up like, like a Christmas tree. He goes, oh my God, my reflectors didn't reflect light at all. Neither did the stop sign that we were, I was parked at. As bright as those lights were, the reflectors on his patrol car would have shined. The stop sign that's got luminescence material on it would have, would have shined. And it would have casted some type of shadow from the trees in front of the convenience store. As bright as that was, right? And before I interviewed him, he was 90% sure that what he saw was terrestrial, was one of ours. After that one aha moment where he realized that that light didn't reflect, it, it changed. It flipped on and, he, and I saw it in his face, I saw it in his eyes, that he that it was like, oh my God, that's not ours. Freaky. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's one of the theories, or not theories, but it's one of the things that I found through all my investigations that when you... I'm not saying, I can't say every UFO because I, all I can say is the ones that, you know, we've had enough evidence of light or something. Because if you really think about it too, that if it's a real UFO and it's bright and you take a picture of it with your camera, your, you know, software in your camera would, would white it out. I mean, because the, the optics in your camera, it's all digital and it's trying to figure out, it's trying to define what you're seeing. In the old days with a 35 millimeter film, you would be a big old glare. Right. right? Yeah. Now that you're saying right. it, it's like, yeah. how did I miss this like, yeah. all this time? Yeah. Oh, and, those, and and every now and then you see those UFOs that look like donuts. Yeah. That's not really a donut. They go, oh my God, it looks like a donut. Well, it's it's the optics of the camera. Oh. So for the listeners, it's the optics of what it is. The cheaper the camera it is, the cheaper the software, the cheaper the hardware, the RAM, you know? So if it sees an image and it tries to detail an image, it just basically runs out of, it starts from the outside and works in and it runs out of data and leaves a hole. Oh, that's weird. That's based on some of the objects that I've worked on. Right. I can't say that about every, everything, but currently I'm working at a, the last couple of years I've been working for a company and we're designing optics for LIDAR systems for uh, for autonomous cars. So I've been really lucky working in the microchip industry that I've, I'm working on state-of-the-art stuff. That's not, you know, but LIDAR system is, is autonomous. Uh, LIDAR will see through everything. You'll see through a house too. So it's better if you're going to have a self-driving car, you want LIDAR system. You don't want optics. You don't want a camera because a camera can glare if there's water spots on it snow okay light don't care lidar if there could be snow over the lens it doesn't care because it can see through a house it's like radar there's a lidar satellite out right now that's a um a commercial satellite that shoots lidar that can see through houses see people walking around inside oh my gosh is lidar's the laser and then it maps out what it scans yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah, but if you think of it, you know, it's it's just like Wi-Fi. You know, it's a high-energy laser that goes right through walls, you know, satellite TV. So it's the same type of a concept. Yeah. No, I don't know if the satellite takes video or just takes, you know, still images or not. But but the LiDAR systems, that's why you want the LiDAR system on an autonomous car, because the LiDAR can see through rain. It can see through snow. It's better to keep you safe than, than optics are. And you don't have to worry if a little bit of dirt's over the lens. You have to wipe the little lenses off every day. <laughs> right. 
Right, yeah, that would be that would be a disaster, actually, wouldn't it? <laughs> to do that. Anyway, I think you better close this up. I think we've 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 gone over, huh? Yeah, yeah, I think we have. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Hey, Chuck, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, I I, I appreciate it. I have, um, thanks a lot because uh, usually I don't have a host where, you know, they're very in tune to to what I talk about, and you're very in tune to it, and uh, well, thank um, you. you know. So it's uh, it makes it really easy to, to speak with you and, and and kind of comfortable for me to talk about stuff. Oh, awesome! Um, well, thank you. That's, that's anyway. very kind of you to say. And I yes, I love okay. it. I well, love thank it. You. So. And I'll be. I, I would love to come back. And if and if any of your listeners are uh, producers, <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Or, or work with a network or something. I mean. You know, I definitely have the experience. All you got to do is just listen to this podcast and probably didn't hear a lot of, the, of what we talked about in this podcast from other investigators. Most of the other investigators aren't at that level yet. And I'm not saying I'm that much better. I'm just saying I've been doing it longer and, and, and it helps having a, a, you know, a microchip background too. So that kind of helps things. Right, right. And you can see on Alien Highway, you can tell you just know what you're doing. You know, yeah. Well, my, my binary light experiment was fun. Yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, all right, Chuck. Hey, okay. thanks so much, man. I really appreciate this. Yeah, and if any of your listeners have any questions, just go to ufonet.com and right at the top it says email. That goes directly to me and ask me any questions you have. Um, at this point, I really can't do any any investigations for you. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I don't have a budget. Hopefully no, soon. I, Hopefully if soon. If I get another TV show, that, that that could change. Hopefully sooner rather than later. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Chuck. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, man. <laughs>